If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so that it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Three, two, one, fire. It's a Capital Flavor production. Yeah. Welcome to Chicago, where the local time is 10.30 a.m. We will be texting for the next few minutes. Use your mobile phones. It's now permitted in transmit mode. Doors open on the right and north in flyover. Your attention, please. Move in. What up, everybody, and welcome to the first episode of Hoopers Unhailed. I am your host, Kevin, better known as KDOT, and we are in Chicago, Illinois, on the east side to talk to a hooper who's taken his talents from the hardwood to the microphone through podcasting. With all the famous names that came out of Chicago, let's look through the lens of Zach Ramey, a story you don't want to miss. Let's go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the very first episode of Hooper's Unhailed. I am here with a very, very special guest, um, and I'm not going to go into a you know full biography of him because we're going to talk about him, of course, the entire episode. So uh, without further ado, I have Zach Ramey of the Off the Glass podcast. How are you doing this evening, brother? I'm doing great, K-Dot, uh, a.k.a. K-Dot, I should say, Kevin, man. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Honored to be on this platform, man. Uh, we dialogue all the time. You become one of the my closest friends, not even just in the podcasting world, but just I'll just say in period, consider you a brother. So I'm honored to be on your platform. Thanks for having me and allowing me to have this space to tell my story. Thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, we're going to just jump right into it. So. The first thing I want to get into is, you know, what I call humble beginnings. You know, mm. um, you know, where where did you, you know, first find the love for basketball? Because, I, you know, as I know you, you know, you've talked about how your mom was very influential. So, uh-huh. we, you know, we're going to start there and then we'll just go through, you know, the evolution of, of your, your career. So let's let's start there. So uh, I touched down in the planet, um, 1981, October 25th. Uh, my mom at the time was an assistant coach at St. Xavier University on the southwest side of Chicago. It's an NAIA school now, uh, actually NAIA Division One. And um, so I was in her inside her, you know, in the womb, in the gym, around the gym. So when I came out, I literally came out on the court, dribbling the ball being around the game, so literally came out by like 19 months, I was already running up and down the court dribbling the basketball. 
And it was an interesting dynamic because didn't know it, know it at the time. It was just natural to me because that's all I knew. But learning the game on the fly from, from women, you know, uh, never played my dad one-on-one. Uh, we'll get to that down the road. I mean, he was one of my coaches, but never played my dad one-on-one. But at the time, we lived on 69th and King Drive. We had a two-flat building, and upstairs was my mom's best friend and teammate, a uh, lady by the name of Tina Washington. It was another lady by the name of uh, Berna Whiteside. Her uh, nephew actually is the one of the best point guards to come out of our city, Donald Whiteside, uh, played at Northern Illinois and then played in the NBA for a little bit. But they lived above me. So they will always be downstairs putting the ball in my hand. You know, I had my grandfather bought me that, that Dr. J hoop, you know, had that going on. <laughs> must have broke several of those. But, yeah, so I was just literally all around the game all the time, all the time. You know, we was always a basketball house. So that's kind of where it started right there. Yeah, that and that's that's amazing. So, um, you know, for the listeners, uh, I know you're from Chicago, but let us know what part of Chicago you're okay. from, um, All right. you know, because yeah, everybody, everybody they know Chicago nowadays because of the, the gang culture and drill music. So, you know, I, I grew up technically always on the east side. So the east side of Chicago, for those of us that's from Chicago, is like from state to the lake, they call it. So basically right off the Dan Ryan Expressway that runs right down the middle of the city, all the way to the lake. So that includes King Drive. But then when I was, I want to say four or five, because at 85, the Bears win the championship, the Super Bowl, we moved further east to like literally, I call that the true east side. So you got like Stony Island, Jeffrey, and we moved over on 83rd and Yates. Uh, Eckersall Park is right there. And um, so I'm originally from the far east side. Uh, I attended Martha A. Ruggles, which is technically still east side because it's right before you get to state. Um, one of our famous alums is William Roden, the famous mm-hmm. general that wrote $40 million slave. He actually attended Martha A. Ruggles. So that's where I'm from, east side of Chicago. Nice, nice. And, you know, um, as far as far as playing, you know, playing basketball, you know, uh, did, you know, did you play, you know, how, how did you get to the to the point where you got to uh, to Benedictine College? Um, wow, or Benedictine University. So let's let's let's. let's you might have there. to cut me off in different parts because this this is a fascinating story. Um, so again, basketball savant, natural. I would call myself a child prodigy. Just just saying. I know people say that, but no. If YouTube and social media existed, then I would have been one of those kids you seen play. I was really that good naturally. Fell in love with the game. Studied the game. I literally had three tapes growing up that I watched all the time. I had the post on the wall behind me, the fish that say Pittsburgh starring Dr. J, uh, mm-hmm. the 1989 all-star game, which was played in Houston. The West blew out the East. Carl Malone was the MVP. And then Michael Jordan come fly with me 1990. And I would yeah, I had watch that those <laughs> all the time, K-Dot, and then just go out and just, nobody taught me this. I didn't have a trainer. Just go out and practice ball handling. So I'm kind of ambidextrous. I guess I'm right-hand dominant because I write with my right hand, but I play basketball left-hand. But in- Hold on. Before, yeah. before you <laughs> – I think we're brothers. I really think we're brothers because I'm the same dynamic. Mm-hmm. I, I hoop I hoop lefty, but I'm I'm dominant with my right hand. Like, that's crazy. Yeah, and then that's it's crazy. wild things that I do left-handed. So, you know, I used to be in law enforcement. So, 
I carry my gun on the left side. You know, I was a uh-huh. left hand shooter. I shot pull. I shoot pull left handed. Uh, when I had guitar in seventh grade, I played a guitar left handed. You know, it's just. But I swung a baseball bat right and threw right. I mean, I could throw with my left. I guess I'm one of those guys. If I really had took the time out and focused, I could do both just as well, including um, writing. Um, I think that's why I'm kind of unique in a lot of ways. Just just speaking of myself because I'm very artistic, but also very analytical, you know, uh-huh. at both sides of the brain action. So, yeah. So I knew early on I couldn't shoot layups with my left hand. So I remember being young, going outside for like two days in a row and just working on my left hand layup and having it down. I remember I couldn't dribble that strong with my right hand, just working on it, having it. I remember drawing X's on the garage and throwing passes off the dribble. Now, mind you, K-Dot, I'm 6'3", 190 now. When I played, I was like 6'3", 185. That's my playing weight. Mm-hmm. I graduated high school at 5'7". So needless to say, Wow. All through my childhood, those who've known me for years, they call me Little Zach. Not so much because I'm a junior, but because literally I was Little Zach. So, like, to speed it up, I was always the smallest guy. We had the hoop in the hood, in the neighborhood, so everybody came to play at my house. Um, I didn't go play at Eckersall too much. I wasn't supposed to. Bigger kids. And as time went on, the game banging around, that just got a little crazy. So, But we used to sneak up there and play, but bottom line, we was always in my backyard. So I get introduced to something called small fry basketball. And we played with a women's ball, eight foot six rim. You couldn't be over five foot one. And you couldn't turn 13 between September 1st of your, you know, that year. So I played that for six years. Cause by the time I'm in eighth grade, Kevin, I'm barely five feet tall. So wow. I was able to play that through six years and small fry just for the record. There's teams in New at that time. I don't know if now it was teams in New York. So you had uh, the Tip Center, you had Mill Bank, you had Riverside Church, uh, mm-hmm. Jersey had a team, had teams. You had St. Rocco's, you had Newark Project Pride. It's huge in Puerto Rico. Like Carlos Arroyo, Raul Lopez, they play small front. I'm pretty sure a bunch of uh, young men and, and women have come up out of that. My era in the Chicagoland era was probably considered the golden era. So you talking about guys I always, you know, go through the list, but it is what it is. You talking D Brown, Sean Dockery on the same team. You talking Will Bynum, Jason Strait. You talking about Martel Bailey that went to Loyola. His brother played at UIC. Uh, Martel Bailey. Uh, you talking about my other guy, Royce Perrin, that went to Chicago State, lost in the dunk contest. I mean, just Tyler Eulis, Craig Hodges, Nick Van Axel played for Canoe. I mean, the list is long so even to this day even though it's not as big it still goes on small fry produced all the top guards in the chicago land area and i was a part of that man for 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 many many years and that's how i got my name so to fast forward by the time i'm in fifth grade i'm the starting point guard on my eighth grade team wow so it was moving fast like that and by the time i get to seventh grade we still live in the city i'm one of the top seventh graders in the state and then my whole basketball life got sh- got shook, in, uh, you know, shaped up, you know, uh, flipped outside upside down, I should say, and got shaken up, man. And um, we could kind of get into that next, unless you want to, you know, ask me another. That's why I say it's a long entry yeah. story. Yeah. So let's let's continue the conversation because I mean this this is the evolution of of you know of of Zach Ramey. So you know we're we're gonna go all the way up, and I have an ill hoop story. That's another segment that we have um, 
So let's let's just keep let's just keep going into it until we get to to the ill hoop story. Okay, so mind you, child prodigy, all these guys I named, you can go Google and look it up and see what type of careers they had, right? And even still have. And um moved to the south suburbs, uh suburb called Flossmore, attend home with Flossmore High School. So at that time, uh TJ Cummins came out of there, he's a year behind me. Julian Wright, Mr. Basketball, that played at Kansas, came out of there. Uh, Kevin Dillard was Mr. Basketball, came out of there, went to Dayton. He's still playing overseas. So just really, really good basketball. Just for the record, the area, the conference at the time was the Sick of East. So you had, like, Eddie Curry in our conference. You had uh, Thornton. So when I'm in high school, Antoine Randall L. that played in the NFL, Melvin Eli that played in the league, they're in our conference. So, like, I'm going to watch them play firsthand, up close and personal. But I get to the junior high, Kev, get to seventh grade. They like, I can't play. They already had to try out. So I couldn't play my seventh grade year, but I'm still playing small fry. So it's all good. It's an eighth grade, had a coach by the time name of Coach Stevens, white guy. And this is 95, my eighth grade year. Hands down, the best player in the school. It's not even close, hands down. But he won't start me because he said I put the ball between my legs and drew behind my back. Think about it. This is 95, bro. And he said I, I was, you know, putting too much mustard on the hot dog. Now, it's funny. We get to the predominantly black school, Forest Trail, Park Forest, Illinois, which is a little bit further south. And um, he's like, Zach, you starting. So he starts against the all-black team. And then from that point forward, I never relinquished my starting spot. We played pretty well. Mind you, again – I didn't really care too much about it because I was still playing small fry and small fry was everything. You know, uh, small fry allowed me to travel 91, the internationals in Jersey. So I got to go to Jersey 92 was in Kenner, Louisiana, which is right outside New Orleans. So I got to go down there. Then the next three years we was in Tampa, Florida. We were supposed to go to Puerto Rico in 93, but hurricane Andrew um, happened. So we didn't go. So I didn't really care too much. So we make it through. Now it's time to go to high school. I attend the, the camp, and at the same time, one of the legendary high school coaches in, in the state of Illinois, he comes from Westinghouse. His name is Roy Condotti. Now, Roy comes from Westinghouse. Westinghouse, mind you, that's Mark Aguirre. That's Hersey Hawkins. That's Kiwan Garris. It's another guy by the name of Jimmy Sanders. Now, Jimmy had just left high school because we're in that, K, that KG era, you know, when he comes up to Chicago for that one year, KG, Ronnie Fields. My man, Paul McPherson at South Shore, guys like that. So okay. Jimmy's 5'6", five, 5'7", five, one of the best guards I've ever seen. So Kandati tells me he's going to take me under his wing and treat me just kind of like Jimmy. So I'm like, man, bet. So I'm showing out in the summer in the camp, doing my thing. Freshman year, I play freshman A, which is the highest level, because we have freshman, sophomore, JV, and varsity and okay. in, gotcha. in that area. So doing my thing, starting. But then we get to my sophomore year. And this is when the politics and the nonsense start. So they start playing certain guys because uh, there was a white guy by the name of Tim Conley. He didn't even hoop after this. It was funny. He didn't play freshman year. He played sophomore year. Sophomores, they moved him up. So he stays up. There was another guy by the name of Nick Ross. He plays. So all these guys getting all this minutes, Kate, I, I'm not playing hardly at all. And I'm the best point guard in the school at, at that particular time in my age group. So I'm beating them in practice, blowing them out, getting spot minutes. 
So I'm like, man, this is crazy. So I get to my junior year, go to all the conditioning, work hard. Mind you, I'm only at this. So I come in, senior, freshman year, maybe five foot, about 94 pounds. Sophomore year, five, four, maybe 118 pounds. Junior year, about five, 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 six, somewhere in there. Still not even 130 pounds yet. So he tells me I'm too small my junior year. Now, mind you, this guy told me I was going to be Jimmy Sanders and all this. And it wasn't like size was an issue. Because if you talk to people that know me, like I could still play. Now, I'm getting frustrated because now I'm keeping tabs of what's going on in the city. And all them guys mm-hmm. that I named, go Google. I'm watching them in the paper. They doing their thing. So at this point, it looks like I'm not going to play my junior year. When in retrospect, what he could have did, KDI, was put me on JV. Just let me play the JV schedule. Like it, it wouldn't have been the end of the world. So I'm like, all right, bet. So I continue to keep working. I come back senior year. So at this point, I'm about five, seven. I'm hands down the best point guard in the school. And anybody else say that, they, they, they lying to themselves. I'm hands down the best point guard in the school. My other guy, who's my still my good friend now, I had him on the Grassroots podcast. My guy, Marcus Jackson, we in the school together. We both don't make the team. We don't make the team. It was crazy. So wow. we go through conditioning. We had to go to trials because they had to have the official tryout, even though they already had the team pick. And I kid you not, it was me, Marcus, my other guy, uh, Rollo's another guy by the name of Jeremy, who's actually one of the top writers and directors in Hollywood now. He writes for that show, SWAT, and you know a bunch of other shows. So he's actually doing well for himself. We beat the starters by like 30 points. We beat the second unit, which was everybody on the team was our guys by like 25. Kandati makes them run after practice for like two hours straight. Like how y'all let them come in and beat y'all like that. Now, mind you, we had TJ Cummins, my guy Garland, who went D2. Twan went to Maryland Eastern Shore D1. Like we had really good guys. Jamal Byers was a junior. He went to UNO in Nebraska, Omaha. So you put me on that team. You put Marcus on that team, which was I, probably one of the most athletic guys I ever played with. We contend for state that year. Mind you, AAU ain't where, where it is, right, like it is now. Right. So I'm trying to just find my way, man. And so long story short, I played no high school basketball, bro. None. That is crazy. So even, so jumping right into how you get to, to Benedictine because, you know, I, I, I've heard you talk about you not play high school yet. You were able to to go pro. So <laughs> so let's jump let's jump right into to Benedictine and then let's um you know evolve into how you you know got to Finland yeah. and playing with playing with people. Okay, so I was gonna quit. I wasn't even gonna hoop no more. Uh, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Extremely depressed. Basketball was my everything in my life. So my freshman year of junior college, I'm attending Joliet Junior College, just going to school, working at UPS. And um, my guy, Marcus, he comes home for Labor Day. He ended up going to Northeast Community College down in Norfolk, Nebraska. It's a D1, really reputable. I think now they're in the same conference as like an Indian Hills, Iowa Western, who we played anyway. They just weren't in our conference then. Go do your research on who Indian Hills and Iowa Western is. So we go and hope. We played well together. It's like renewing the old magic, as they say, throwing him lives. We hooping, whatever. So he's like, man, you should come down to Nebraska with me. So I was like, I don't know, man. I don't even really know if I want to hoop like that. So long story short, January 2000, 
I leave to go to Norfolk, Nebraska. Uh, I was 5'7", 132 pounds. I came home that spring because I had the red shirt, D1, bro. Guy, super strong. This is the era of lifting weights. Like, we do Kansas State's football workout. Guards was expected to eventually bench 225. No, 185 in the bigs, like 225. Like, you know, we really – so I couldn't play even if I wanted to. But unbeknownst to me, I go through a crazy growth spurt. So I come home about six, one and a half, 165 pounds. So my shot was thrown off. I didn't shoot the ball well at the Marcus told the coach I was the best shooter he's ever seen. So long story short, I spent two and a half years down in Norfolk, Nebraska, playing D1. Okay. And this is why I tell young p- players to have a complete game. So for me to get on the court, I became our best guard defender, our best leader. He knew that we was going to always run good offense when I'm on the court. So whenever we played the really good teams, the Indian Hills, the Iowa Westerns, the Eastern Wyomings at that time, I will always get get good minutes. But I wasn't really focused on school like I should have been. So all the D2 offers, NAI offers, I had like one D1 offer uh, to Youngstown State in Ohio. Um, They fell through. So I came back home, had to regroup. I go to school part-time. I could have went to Lewis, which is uh, D2 right outside Chicago. Um, they're in the conference as that D2 power, Kentucky Wesleyan, that won a bunch of you know championships. So, But I didn't want to give up, just play one year because I had already red shirt. Division three has rules where if you go to school part-time, you maintain your eligibility. So I went to school part-time, sure. worked full-time. And even when I was at Northeast, one of my dad's co-workers went to Benedictine and knew the coach at the time, my coach, um, Keith Bunkenberg. And he just stayed in contact with me, just keep it a buck. Uh, I was looking at going to Elmhurst or Carthage, which plays in arguably the toughest D3 conference outside of like Williams and Massachusetts. I would say that's probably the toughest D3, but they never looked at the film for whatever reason. Uh, Elmhurst College famously is where Jordan would have his summer camps when he was playing for here in the, in the Bulls or whatever. So I ended up going to Benedictine. Junior year, super rusty because I had a year off, didn't play. But we still went 20 and 8. Uh, went to the national tournament. We lost to eventual champion Stevens Point in Wisconsin, which is the alma mater of Terry Porter, believe it or not. They were NAIA at the time. Wow. So that was their first championship that year, and then they went back-to-back our sophomore year. My sophomore year, we were actually better than my, my freshman year. My teammate Marcus joins me. So in our starting lineup and on our bench, we had arguably about three or four D1-type guys that could have played D1. Because I think one of the biggest misnomers people don't understand, to win a championship at Division three level, you need D1 guys. You need guys that could have played D1. You just really do. But the chemistry wasn't right. We could never get on board on the same team. My guy, Will, who was like 6'8", 6'9", he was recruited by Georgetown coming out of high school. He ends up quitting. But we finished with, at the time, the highest ranking in school history. We was 21-7, and but what was so messed up then – Division three didn't have a 64-team tournament like they do now. Division three was only gotcha. 36 teams. So you had to win your tournament, conference tournament, if you really wanted to get in. And then after that, that at-larges were given to uh, teams that had better what they call in-region records. That year, Aurora, which is in Aurora, Illinois, which is our rivals, a really good D3 school as well, we couldn't beat them that year. They won our conference tournament by three points. And then down in Texas – a team that was one of the better teams, they lost in the first round of their tournament. So they got the at-large over us. If they win their tournament, 
we get the at large and we get in. So uh, senior year came to a crushing blow. And at that point, Kate, I, I didn't know what I was going to do. So that was my college career in a nutshell. I didn't know what I was going to do. I hadn't even thought about playing pro at that point. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Um, So, you know, of course, continuing on to the story, you know, let's get right into it because, you know, I, from what I understand, you know, you went to Finland, um, you played for, uh, I want to say it was Euro basketball. You yeah, yeah, Euro basket, um, Euro basket. I played for, they changed their name now to Neilon Bisons. My first team job in Finland was, uh, they was called Lococo at the time. But before we get there, you know, it's just interesting, man, because I often reflect and look at back at my career and knew that if my parents would have made some different decisions, like my dad wanted to pull me out of HF and transfer me to Simeon, uh-huh. believe it or not, and play for the late great Bob Hambrick um, because he was like, but my mom was like, he, he need to go to school. We didn't move out here for him to go to school in the city. But sometimes as a parent now, you got to understand who your child is. My sister was always academic. Me, I'm smart, but I didn't like school like that. Basketball driven me, you you know, drove me. (laughs) And looking back at it, to make it as far as I did as my career, I'm proud of it because I didn't even get training, quote unquote, official training until my second year of my pro job. I'm just playing off whatever God gave me and my just natural instincts and being able to think the game and see the game and patterns and things like that. So, you know, I often think, and I know people say this all the time, but I really truly believe this, that one, because it wasn't popular then, if my mom would have listened to my dad and reclassified me like my dad did, he wanted to put me back in sixth grade when we moved to the Burbs. I had something called a skin x-ray at the time, not skin, a wrist x-ray. So, excuse me, even though I was 12, my wrists were like 10. My bones like 10 years old. So the doctor was already telling him, like, he's going to be a late bloomer. He's not going to blossom like that. So that's one. I should have reclassified and I should have went to school in the city. They should have transferred me out. And I really believe, Kate, out that I don't know if I would have made it to the NBA, but I think it would have been interesting to see how my career would have turned out versus what it did. But it is what it is. So I ended up playing in the ABA, paid my own money to go to a tryout in Hammond, Indiana, which is like literally right next door to Chicago. And uh, made that team. Uh, the lady ended up selling the team because she couldn't pay us. So we moved all the way out to Sterling, Illinois, and played that season. And then the next year, the new league started called the Premier Basketball League. And at that time, the Premier Basketball League was right underneath the D League. I'll say it's right there with the D League as far as how good it really was and the guys that was in that league. So the team owner moved us to Rockford. So I ended up playing in Rockford. That's how I met D.A., uh, Daniel Artes. He shows up, and um, we had a really good stacked team. Now, the coach I played with in the ABA was also my trainer that summer as well. But unbeknownst to me, that whole year, I'm fighting for minutes. You know, we had guys from Rockford playing. And I'm not saying those guys weren't good. I'm just saying we didn't necessarily need to bring them in because every time I felt like I was getting ready to go home, I always played well. Whenever I got minutes, I always played well, did more than hold my own. But long story short, I ended up getting released during that season. And I would love to talk to him because D.A. shared something with me I didn't know. D.A. shared on the clubhouse after his brother Ron actually stepped in and paid the salaries for the team that year because the team was getting ready to fold. So I'm wondering if the guy that, that, that was coaching me did me a solid and release me knowing all this was going on because I had no clue. So I come back home, 
Wow. Get a job at CarMax, the used car lot. Work nights detailing cars and going to Lifetime Fitness during the day and just working out, staying in shape, and then just going to different camps. And the, the PBL had their combine here in Chicago. At the time, it was called Attack Athletics. This is the training facility that Tim Grover built, you know, the famous trainer, Michael Jordan, Dwayne Wade, Bobby Sam, you know, all these guys. They left hoops to gym, and he yeah. built his own facility. So they had it there. Played well in the combine. Got some interest, but nothing really shook. So fast forward, Chicago had a team. And we go up to Halifax, Nova Scotia to play against Halifax Rain Man in a, in a, in a series. So it was me, my guy Big Case, my guy James Bouyer that played at IUPUI for a little bit, Amari Sawyer, who's arguably the best point guard to come out of Chicago. Like he had the sneaker. I ain't gonna say endorsement because he couldn't get paid. But when Puma had sneakers, that was him in that commercial. If you remember that way back wow. in the bar. Yes. Oh, I do. Yeah, I do. Sawyer is that's a whole fascinating story within itself because he didn't really go nowhere and play like that I don't know all the details but yeah we was all on the same team and we'll just say I went out there and just showed out bro shot the ball incredibly well and so I remember we chilling at the hotel in Halifax and you know as a side note hey if you're a single guy go to Canada bro Canada is ridiculous, <laughs> Canada is ridiculous man like just oh my god just beautiful women man just crazy insane so I'm in a in a hotel room. I might have been chilling with a girl, maybe not, you know. So they my phone started ringing. So I answered the phone, and it was a a, a woman on the phone. No, James answered the phone because yeah, we was all in there chilling. James answered the phone, and they was like, "Man, it's this girl that I want to talk to you." So I'm like, "What this girl?" Now, mind you, this has kind of been happening since we've been there. Like I said, Canada was off the chain, bro. So I get on the phone. Uh-huh. It was the owner for the for the rain man. He was like, yo, okay. are you signed? It's like, no, nah, I ain't signed. You know, these are my guys from Chicago giving us the opportunity to play, whatever, whatever. No, I ain't signed nothing. He's like, we want you. You want to come here and play? So I was like, yeah. So I went home, packed my bags. And I actually also had a deal on the table from Romania, but I'm glad I didn't take that because that ended up being a disaster I found out down the road. But I ended up going to Halifax. As soon as I get off the plane, I hurt my shoulder. So I knew what Markel Foltz had. Not the same kind of damage, but they were surprised I didn't tear my rotator cuff. Like, I couldn't lift my arm to shoot to the point where I wouldn't even warm up with the team. I would come out, get loose, do some ball handling. And then me, I'll go back in the locker room, hang out with my man. May he rest in peace. Uh, John Strickland, the franchise from Chicago. I mean, from I'm sorry, uh, New York City, from New York. He's the guy I always say in the Jay-Z song when he'd be like, my homie Strick told me finish your breakfast. That's who he talking about. That's my yeah. man Strick, R.I.P. Um, to Strick. And um, just listen to music. You know, we've been there listening to Busta Rhymes. That's when Respect My Conglomerate was out and all that kind of kind of music, you know. And long story short, I kept my job that whole season, K-Dot, K- because, I, again, I was a good defender, a good backup point guard. Some games I played, some games I didn't without the ability to shoot. But that was the experience in Halifax. Nice, nice. So I want to get into what I call ill hoop stories. (laughs) And this story is a crazy one because. Oh, before you do that, Kate, I just just put a ball on it. So from there, Halifax, um, 
then I'm at home, not doing anything, trying to get another job. I got a coaching job, got an email from a guy in Finland. That's how I know a Facebook message. Then I go out to Finland. Uh, that season, I tore my growing during the season. They panic and release me. They ended up not making the playoffs, but I was able to stay and play with the team Euro for the rest of the season with a, a torn growing and I ended up dislocating okay. my ring finger on my left hand, my shooting hand and fracturing my knuckle. So I finished the season during that. Waited to get another job, never really came through. So this is second division Finland. So always, you know, transparent. I never played in the top league like that. Oh, I did go to Poland for a month, but that didn't work out for a top league team there. Came back home. And then I finished out that last year at Euro. Um, came back home, thought, okay, now we're about to get our break. Was in contact with a second division team in Germany. It came down between me and another guy. They picked the other guy. When I doubled back to some of my other offers, I believe at the time, I believe it was Denmark, Sweden, maybe one other country. Those, of course, was gone. I was turning 30 that fall. My dad at the time had prostate cancer. We didn't know what was up with that. So at that point, I just decided to give it up, man. So I retired professionally at age 30. So that's my professional career in a nutshell. So with that being said, it goes right into the mm-hmm. story that I need you to, to kind of share. <laughs> I'm already smiling, so. man. When you told me this, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. But go ahead. I couldn't believe it. So I think it's like 2007, 2008. Yep. I'm a... Uh, I'm probably, you know, a sophomore going going to be in a junior at Clemson University. You know, I am a huge and one fan. Yep. Um, I was I was trained um, back when I was like in seventh grade by uh, by a guy they call Future. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in mm-hmm. the Bronx, I stayed. You know, I stayed in the Bronx over the summer that year, and he kind of showed me the ropes. Um, he thought I had a lot of potential. You know, I was only in seventh grade, but you know you know, it's, it's whatever, but I'm, I'm watching TV and, you know, I didn't, I didn't realize it of course at the time, but I'm, I'm looking at YouTube. We're fast forward to about maybe about six months ago. Um, not even, not even that, maybe about, um, maybe about three mm-hmm. months ago. I'm, I'm looking at, I'm looking at your website and I see the space <laughs> and I'm like, Whoa, Whoa, wait, wait a minute. You mean to tell me that this is the same Zach Ramey that was on the and one <laughs> mixtape tour tryouts. Yep. And at that time, going back to 2007, 2008, like I'm rooting for you, bro. And I don't That's, even know you. I'm, and I'm man, rooting I, for you. So, so tell us about that. Tell us hey, about you, that. First please. of all, man, it shows you, man. Not even trying to get deep or emotional, but just how dope the universe is. You know, whatever your religious beliefs are, me is more just, you know, the universe and nature and all that. And um, how different experiences in life bring you in contact with people and how when you don't know people, the type of effect you may have, whether good, bad or otherwise. Man, I just thought when you told me that I was so dope, dope because you know, I hadn't heard anything from people saying that in a while. So I thought it had finally passed over, KDOT, because for a while, I would say all the way up until I was like 2014, 15, people, random people would still mm-hmm. come up to me at least once or twice a year and tell me, you know, I don't want to be, you know, weird or this, that, and the third, but weren't you that guy? And I'm like, yeah, that was me. And it would blow my mind. Like, wow. So I didn't even know they was in town, just keeping it a buck. 
And um, I was working out at Lifetime Fitness. We was hooping. And um, a guy by the name of Antoine Hall, again, Chicago and Chicagoland area, produces so many players. It's crazy. He went to Arkansas for a minute. I forget where he went to after that, but even had a chance to play in the league. But arguably one of the best players you've never heard about. One of the most athletic guys I've ever seen. And he was like, man, and one looking for players. You need to go down to the Lakeshore Athletic Club, which is downtown. So if you've been to Chicago, it's one block off of Michigan Avenue by the hard, what's now the Hard Rock uh, Hotel. And it sits right off the Chicago River, which is Wacker Drive. So I was like, all right, best. Okay. So I go in there. Sure enough, uh, Escalade's in there. He's in there with the other guy, forget his name, who's kind of like one of their coaches. Uh, Springs show up late. It wasn't a bunch of the actual players there. And um, just a bunch of guys running in the gym. Now, I knew some of the guys because the guy that got picked, my guy Zoe, we played in different leagues against and with each other. My guy Sean was in there hoping it, whatever. And Kate out, it was just one of those days. Like, I've always played well, but, you know, certain days the, the sky just opened up for you. And right, right. I was just killing, bro. Like, if an NBA team walked in, I might have gotten at least a workout. Like, not, not even exaggerating. I was just killing. What you saw in the highlights, we played for almost three hours. It don't even do it justice for how I was in there playing. Because, matter of fact, when Escalade, so when the play happens, when I come down the middle and I pull it off the backboard, go get it and dunk it in traffic. Mind you, I've never did it before that. Couldn't duplicate Ooh. it since. Only did that once in actually traffic in a game. I've done it on breakaways showing off, but, like, actually in traffic. When he telling me to go sit down, we actually play for like another year, hour and a half. That was just kind of for the TV. So I get picked to play in the game the next day. Me and Zoe, uh, Escalade, may rest in peace, great guy, um, calls me uh, Stacy Augman, you know, South Court. Yep. So we play at the House of Hope, which is actually a mega church. And um, on the south, south side, uh, south, well, not south side, southeast side, far east side, like literally the lake is right there. And, um, Play well. You saw the clips of me and, you know, baby Shaq going back and forth. That's literally how it happened. And they was blowing us out. Like, people don't I realize did. they was blowing us out. So I was getting minutes, but I wasn't getting minutes at first. It was weird. So they put me and another guy in the game. We get us back in the game. I think I finished with, like, 20-some points, bro. I was killing. Like, those last two threes I hit, and I think I had another basket. So we get to the end. They draw up a play. Last minute, they sub me out. And that's when I knew something fishy was going on. So the guy that went by the name of D.O., he was from Milwaukee. If you're familiar with the show, he had been on there like two or three times before. And he would get to a certain point right. that would make it. He ends up hitting the game winning shot. Now, mind you, he had four points okay. the whole game. He had a dunk in the first quarter, second quarter. And then he had that game winning shot. That's it. Now, mind you, if it wasn't for me and the other guy, I'm blanking on his name right now. Uh... We, they wouldn't even have been in the game. Now, this is when Anwan had Professor, so I played against him, Springs, Helicopter, Baby Shack, Air up there because he's from Chicago. Um, Couple guys, because I had already played in Rockford against, like I played against AO, played against 50, played mm -hmm. oh, 50 was there too, played against Spider. That was actually a real game. That's when I walked away saying AO was probably one of the best point guards I ever played against. Uh, just keeping it a buck. Mm -hmm. I wasn't impressed with Professor because he like five foot six. 
So all them little moves I wasn't going for. And because I'm 6'3", I can just contest his shot. So all that didn't work on me. Gotcha. And um, so I thought I did well. I'm like, okay. He made the game-winning shot, but, like, literally he had four points. Like, there's no way I don't have this. So I get in the locker room. They doing their spill. And then they end up picking him, D.O. And I'm looking at Escalade like, like, are y'all serious? So Escalade pulled me to the side. He told me, he's like, yeah, bro, I picked you. Me and the other guy picked you, but somebody from the production staff had a a vote and somebody else, and they ain't a voting dude on because he had been on there. Now, mind you, this was the last year it was on TV. It was sponsored by Old Spice. There's a $25,000 grand prize. Chicago was the second to last stop. The next stop was, I believe, Boston, if I'm not mistaken. So all I had to do was get picked and go to Boston. Who knows what happens from there as far as my career and being on TV and all this kind of stuff. So I didn't even know that they had filmed it like that, K-Dot. Because once I didn't get picked, I was mad. I forgot about it. I hadn't even forgot. I had left it alone. So I'm working at CarMax at this point. This is when I was at CarMax. My phone just starts going crazy. Like, I had to just turn it off. It's just going crazy. And he's like, man, Zach, you on N one You this, you that. So I answered the first call. And I told my mom, I was like, yo, set the DVR real quick. So I didn't even know. I get home, bro, watch that. I couldn't even believe it, man. Like, I was actually featured. Like, and I had no clue. They didn't even bro. tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you. The the rap, the rap around when... When, she, when baby Shaq tried to tried to bully mm-hmm. you down there, right? With the with the whole he extended and I, the arm, even though the layup went in, I still it. got a piece of that, K Dot. He pushed it. You That's how my hops yes, yes. got a piece of it. <laughs> so you come back, you you know, you do the wraparound. It reminded me of uh Pat the Rock and Shaq Oh, I played against Pat, Pat too. I forgot he was with that that uh team in Rockford. I played against him too. Yeah. Yeah. So you know you do the rap you do the wrap around between the legs you pull up on him I was like yeah yeah that's my that's my guy and yeah. he a lefty so I'm I'm hyped you know what I'm saying and it's just so funny that it, it happened you know in in our our interaction yeah. happened the way it did because now we go into you know what yeah. you're doing now and this is what this podcast is you know is set up for is to is to celebrate you know you know the people who you know people yeah. may not know but they're impacting the game another way and you're on your way up so let's go right into the off the glass yeah. podcast and how you know how that came about and you know what you're doing now and then we of course yeah we'll and just real quick up. that was my version of being fancy cuz i didn't have no moves like that so that was my one little the trick move. I was just a simple guy, a counter guy, get to the basket, shoot the ball, whatever. But um, yeah. <laughs> well, you got me. You got yeah, that's me. about as fast as I could get with the dribbling. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was what you call a ball handler, not a dribbler, a ball handler. Somebody you're not gonna take gotcha. the ball from who can initiate offense. It's a you know, as a trainer, that's a a, a big difference. Like a lot of people can dribble, but a lot of people that's can't true. handle, you know. So um your professional stats, I <laughs> by the way, a, a, prof, uh, a career 16 yeah. and a half point scorer, I think is like maybe one, one point, 1. 1.8 turnovers to, to about uh, 4.8, 5.1 yeah. assists. Yeah. And that's on the low side, you know, cause of how the games get averaged out. But 
I always led in assists while I played at. I was right, right there. And then remember overseas, they chart assists different than they do here. If they would chart it the way they do here, right. that's true. I would have averaged probably in Finland close to 20 and 10 assists, 11 assists a game with like five rebounds as a point guard. And this, you know, so, gotcha. but no, the podcast, I'm just always been talking basketball. Now, mind you, though, life happened. I got married. I'm working. Um, my best friend uh, gets killed. Um, my man, Isaac Thomas, rest in peace to, to Zeke. So I kind of just wasn't around the game like I used to be between the grind and just losing him. It just wasn't the same. So I had fell off. I didn't know none of the grassroots players like that. I wasn't, I mean, I would watch the NBA in college, but I wasn't into it like that. But then I had started to get back into it. We had our first child, my son's in. And I remember one night we just watching TNT and they were just talking gibberish. Now I still listen to podcasts because I was watching, listening to podcasts way back in like 07. I'm, I'm mad. I wish I'd have had enough gumption to start one then. Didn't even think about it. But um, my wife was like, why don't you just do a podcast? Now, when I started, it's funny how fast this has progressed. A lot of these sites that exist didn't exist. Uh, a lot of this equipment, like I'm on my Rodecaster Pro, didn't exist. Excuse me. It was just real raw, kind of getting a recorder. You still doing interviews through Skype, you know, all this kind of stuff. And she right. was like, let's do it. And I was like, all right. So she's like, but we're going to do it. We're going to do it right. So we came up with the name. I'm still at this point, I'm still in law enforcement. I'm in year two-ish, three-ish, somewhere in there as a police officer at the University of Chicago on the far east side of the city. And I am came up with the name, Off the Glass Podcast. She helped me with that. We trademarked it. So I, while I'm waiting for the trademark, we start the show. And then I just start kind of going from there. Now, mind you, I think I'm going to get all these interviews because, like, I'm somebody in Chicago. I might not be the name that you throw out there first, but the guys' names that you throw mm -hmm. out. Like, when I walk in the gym, they be like, oh, yeah, that's left-hand Zach. Or they've been knowing me for a while. That used to be Lil Zach. Like, cats know what, what it is. You know, and I, and I constantly try to remain in a certain way and kind of check the ego. But sometimes I do feel a certain way because a lot of guys in my city, and I'm not the, probably the only guy, Get a lot of pub and a lot of recognition. And it was crazy. Again, I played no high school, no major D1, didn't have none of these AAU opportunities. And a lot of cases is keeping the buck. My career was the same as a lot of these guys, the same as a lot of these guys. So I always just kind of look at it a, a certain way. But needless to say, nobody came through. Nobody responded on social media. Nobody responded to my emails. So it was like a gift and a curse, bro. I was disappointed, obviously, but I had to learn how to do a show by myself, you know, how to talk in to the mic by myself. And I, I cringe at my early shows because the confidence wasn't there. It's interesting, though, you know, humble brag, the material was kind of there, but the confidence and how to put a show together wasn't there. And then I didn't give up, per se, but I bought some books, watching YouTube, reading up how to do this. And I just kept reaching out to people. And then finally, I was able to land my first major interview, which was Coach David Thorpe, uh, one of the original basketball mm -hmm. trainers, famously, you know, started his business. You know, he trained Udonis Haslam. That's how long ago that was. Remade his body when he left from Florida and went overseas because he was a chunky guy. People that's young now probably don't realize that. But um, had him on. He was gracious with his time. Got my first other big guest uh, because because I worked at the university. 
they had a, a older run that I would play with sometimes. So I'm talking about not even name dropping, like Matrix would be in there, Sean Marion, uh, Arnie Duncan, the former school of, you know, the Obama's uh, right hand, you know, education guy. He'd be in that hoop. People be like, oh, he out here giving right. buckets. Like, no, nah, Arnie could hoop. Like, he'd be in that hoop. You know, uh, yeah, can, politician yeah, representatives, yeah. big time businessmen, just we all in there just hooping. So I just approached Matrix one day in uniform. <laughs> so he freaking out when I asked him, can I talk to him in the hallway? Like he like, what the 501 with me? And I just explained to him what I was trying to do. And um, one of the major guys in Chicago circles, a guy by the name of Jabba, vouched for me. Actually, Jabba to this day is still probably my biggest listen interview. Jabba was on my show. And Matrix was like, bet. So Matrix did my show. I got Cappy Pondexter to do my show. And then we just kept working. Yeah, the legend, man. The legend. The legend. So we kept working. And then I reached out to Rashad Phillips, Sports Talk 2319. Yeah, didn't even Shout realize I was going to get a response <laughs> or not. And um, he agreed to come on my show. And um, we chopped it up. It was a good show. Um, we stayed in contact on Twitter. He gave me some pointers because at that time I wasn't on Twitter at all. And he like, you ain't on Twitter? Like, what are you doing? So I started getting on Twitter, becoming more active. And I had to learn the social media side and all this. And then I started noticing all these other podcasts started invading the space. And I'm just like, wow, this is crazy. But we developed a relationship. He came back on my show again when Kawhi had signed with the Clippers because we were like the only guys in major not major media and major media that was saying he wasn't going to the Lakers. So we came back on. And then from there, we just kept the relationship going. Then he approached me a year before it happened and was like, hey, I want you to be a part of this draft show. So that's how I ended up doing the draft show on SUV TV down in Atlanta that was streamed on Apple TV and Amazon Fire Stick, Roku, Android TV on their app. And um, just continue to grow from there, man, and just – you know, making relationships, had, you know, got a relationship with Big Park, Kendrick Parkins. He's been on the show a couple times. Great guy. Um, you know, I don't want to forget anybody, but, you know, just continuing to build the product and not even realizing when I started this, like, I knew I wanted to protect the name. I knew I wanted to do something with it, but to try to execute a plan, I even still struggle with it to this day, a business plan, because I'm at the point now with my uh, my podcast, trying to figure out how to really monetize it and make it profitable and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, man, it just kind of started and then just kind of evolved from there. So, again, I always tell people, you just, you never know. Like, again, you don't know what the connections you're going to make. Like I said, me and DA played together in Rockford in 2007. I ain't seen them physically since. And who knew all these years later the effect that I had on him and the fact that he had on me and now we're doing stuff together, you know, you involved with our room and clubhouse, you know, in the paint with Daniel Artest. So go over to that. If you're on clubhouse and follow that room, um, we're doing the real basketball, no hot takes. And I actually, I applied, you know, for a room as well. So, you know, it's just everything kind of always happens for a reason. Everything becomes full circle. If you don't get anything from my story, just understand that your purpose might not be what you think it is, you know, uh, but at the end of the day, if you somebody with great integrity, great character, you work hard, and you just believe in the process, you never know what might happen. Man, and listen, I want to personally thank you 
not only as a partner in this in this hoops game, but a true friend. Um, I I really appreciate you know you coming on. I really appreciate you you know being the very first uh, guest on this new uh, platform that I started. Um, you know, I basically just wanted to show the world that there are people out there, you know, that you don't necessarily know that knows a lot about the game that you love. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm very, very uh, thankful, you know, to have, to have. And so with that being said, um, I want you to go plug everything that you have, um, you know, with your, with your pod and with your, your media, uh, with your media empire because it, it is an empire and it will be bigger. So, you know, go ahead and plug that. And, you know, we're going to, you know, we're going to end it there. So I appreciate it. Your, appreciate your, your time. Uh, the time, Katie, I mean, Katie, we were just talking about Katie. <laughs> the clubhouse <laughs> app practice. Uh, K-Dot, man, uh, for letting me tell my story. Um, and also just too, you know, my story is one of many. And I, I use my story to tell people, to show people how really good these NBA guys are. So don't disrespect them like that because there's so many guys like me that can flat out play, man. There's a lot of people that could play this game of basketball. And it just shows you how sometimes, yeah, it is about opportunity. Sometimes it's about connections, but it also shows you how really good their talent is. So I just wanted to say that real quick. But uh, you can find the Off the Glass podcast on all streaming platforms. Like I always say, there's no excuse why you shouldn't be consuming this content. The YouTube page, uh, we're growing over there. It's the Off the Glass podcast. The website, www.offtheglasspodcast.com. I do have a Patreon, so if you want to support the podcast, Cost you five dollars a month, or as I like to say, sixty dollars for the year. Um, content will be coming. I'm gonna start dropping some videos and putting them over there. So those videos I used to put out on Twitter, if you want to see them, you're gonna have to go to my Patreon to, to be able to get that content. Um, Twitter, that's why I engage the most is Zach at the off the glass. Zach at the off the glass. I appreciate all the support and love I get from Twitter, man. Like seriously, man. I've really built up my Twitter these last several months, man, to over a thousand people. And I'm proud of it because it's not a lot of my friends. It's people I really don't know. So I really built that page organically. Um, if you're interested, I'm on the gram. I really just use it to post my content. It's Zach the Off the Glass Podcast. Um, the Facebook group, because you got to have one of those, is the Off the Glass Podcast. So that's pretty much it, man. And Kate, I know my model. Fan of no team, but a lover of back. But I love old basketball. Yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it. And, you know, with, with that being said, um, I, I thank everybody for listening. This has been Hooper's Unhail with your boy K-Dot. Peace and love to everybody Peace. out there. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. My very first episode of Hooper's Unhailed was a complete success. I want to thank my special guest, Zach Ramey, for his time and incredible storytelling about his life and how he's using his talents on the court to continue building his legacy off the court. I'm on to the next city and the next unhailed hooper, so I hope to see you along the ride. Peace and blessings to you all.